Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Heinrich Vanderpool. He is the founder and CEO of Purdue. Hi, Heinrich. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having us and uh, having me on the podcast today. Yes, you and representing your whole company too. So it's great to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you. Your product's cool. The topic's cool. Um, so we're going to get into that. But first, let's start with our capture question. Prove your humanity for us here. I'm going to ask you this question. What is the best reward someone can give you? Um, well, I guess that's, I guess a computer can come up with this as well. But I, I, I would say that that's still a compliment um, for anything that you do. I think are we getting an honest and, and meaningful uh, compliment from someone is, is the best thing, and best reward I can get for my work. Nice. I like that. Well, hopefully we'll get to the end and I'll be able to give you that compliment based on what you guys have <laughs> built at Purdue. So tell us a little bit about Purdue. How did it get started? What does it do? Uh, Purdue is, is, is actually a strategy execution tool. Um, so I used to work as a management consultant, being responsible for implementing strategic projects in organizations. Um, and there I learned firsthand that designing a strategy for a company is a lot of fun, but that's also the easy part. Yeah. Uh, and it gets a million times harder when you're actually responsible for communicating, implementing and executing that strategy. So that's a problem that we wanted to solve with Purdue. Uh, we started working, we started off as, a, as, a, as an OKR tool. And then over time, we, uh, we built more and more features into the product that actually has grown Purdue today into, uh, into a tool that organizations can use to, to do exactly that, communicate, implement and execute strategy. So give me an example of a feature that you've added that changes it just from OKR tool to strategy execution. Um, well, the first thing that we did is we added KPIs into the mix. Um, so when you look at a company strategy, um, OKRs are a great type of goal to explore new things, to make improvements inside your organization. But KPIs are equally important. The way we explain those differences between KPIs and OKRs always is that if your organization will be a car and you're driving your car towards the destination, um, then your OKRs are kind of like helping you build out your roadmap towards that point. But as you're driving down that path, you also, you also need to keep an eye on your car's dashboard to make sure, for example, that you don't run out of gas and the engine doesn't overheat. And the things that you find on a car's dashboard, these are things that you constantly need to watch. Doesn't really matter where you are on your journey. Um, and therefore, they translate better to KPIs, KPIs being uh, a, a tool to measure the effectiveness of your uh, and the success of your business as usual. Yeah. And then recently, more recently, we added strategic pillars into the mix. So strategic pillars really help you set up your strategy uh, on the Purdue platform, and then you can align um, your KPIs and your OKRs to that strategy. Uh, and that really fosters strategic alignment. So now all of a sudden you, you then have a place where strategy and execution really come together. And I love the imagery of driving the car. The OKRs kind of tell you what the milestones or the next town you need to get to your final destination. How would you explain strategy within that same metaphor? Um, oh, that'd be hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a really hard question because, yeah, a strategy is really about uh, competition and about differentiators. So um, everyone is is competing today and every organization is facing limited resources. And therefore, it's really important how you're going to uh, deploy these resources and how you're going to differentiate yourself in the market that you're in. Um, so that, I think, is what strategic pillars in Purdue are all about so that everybody in the organization understands, um, yeah, what, what are like 
the differentiators that you have that you continuously want to invest in that you believe are important now, but will also be important 10 years into the future. Um, and that's different, of course, from, uh, well, there's a difference between strategy, what's your strategy and what's strategic. So you could have a long-term goal and you could call that a strategic goal um, just because it has a very long horizon, but that doesn't automatically mean that that will be your strategy, right? That's just still part of your roadmap. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something that's that's something that's confusing for a lot of people. Yeah. Where they'd say if something is very far ahead on my roadmap, for us that would still be an OKR, but they might call it strategic, but that doesn't mean it's strategy. When we when we define strategy, we really stick to we try to for everything that we do really, we try to stick to the common terms in the uh, in the academic world. Yeah. Um, so Michael T. Porter, Roger Martin, these are all uh people that we read the books from and then use their terminologies that they have. And I feel like this is the, like one of the core challenges of strategy, alignment, OKRs, goal setting. It's just like that there are these like academic answers out there. But for the common person who just signs up to use your product, say, I need some better alignment, I need something there. You have to actually go in and almost educate them on these terms. There's not like, I feel like it's not so much common sense or there's something about it that doesn't really resonate with us to understand the differences between all these things. Do you find the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's uh, that's an important problem or a big value add of working with a tool like Purdue uh, because that will prevent you from having to uh, invent that all yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully from using the Purdue product, you don't feel that you need to get into all these topics. Like we do that ourselves and we share our knowledge with the world. Uh, we have a resources hub. I write a few, I've written a few eBooks. Uh, we all publish that for free. And the people that really want to get into these topics, they're more than welcome to. Um, but the Purdue, yeah, what the Purdue product should do for organizations is help translate that theory into, into a tool that you can actually easily use with your entire organization. Because even if there are people inside an organization that are getting into these topics and are excited about it, it's often management level or leadership level. Um, But I think what's what's really important about a strategy execution tool um, is that you bring the leadership level of the organization together with um, the execution side of the business, all Mm. the different people and teams. And for that reason, you need to have something that's simple, easy to use and uh, build it in such a way that it doesn't require people to read books about it to understand what they're doing. Yeah, and this is, I feel like, the, the same struggle a lot of people have is that, it, like you said, it's one thing to come up with a strategy. It's fun, it can be exciting, and it's you know you can do that. But the execution side is much different. And even within a company itself, like, like you said, for maybe a, a senior level leader who's developing this strategy needs to understand these terms in, in some depth, but then also needs to communicate it, I think a lot of times they forget that step or it just becomes too difficult and they just say, hey, just this is what you got to do, like work on this project. But then you're dealing with misalignment. You're dealing with people who aren't don't understand the full picture. So yeah, is a tool the answer? Like is software the answer? They're just looking, speaking as a business owner, when you're trying to get people throughout your company to execute on the same strategy that's there, what do you find like are the most effective ways to do that? I think the problem starts with strategy first like in, in, in lots of organizations, strategy is not communicated at all. And the bigger picture of the organization, the longer term goals, um, yeah, most of the people are simply not aware of. Um, and then if you think of that particular problem, then there are tons of ways you, you can solve that, right? Mm. I mean, you can create a PowerPoint slide, distribute that in your organization. You can put it on the internet. You can make it the loading screen of your Slack or Teams app. And I think there are lots of different ways you can communicate and, and solve that particular problem. 
But I think what, what's really important is that people can understand the relationship between the projects and tasks that they are working on every day and every week and how that serves the longer term goals of the organization and how that fits within the strategy of the organization. Um, and if you want to solve that particular problem, then you need to be able to draw relationships between the two. Um, and then I think yeah, it's hard to get around the tool. Um, I'm, I'm sometimes impressed, however, as a spreadsheet is, of course, also a tool. Yeah. Um, but I'm sometimes impressed by how far people can get with a spreadsheet. So sometimes organizations come to us, they've been working with OKRs in the spreadsheet for one or two years, and they've completely built that out with, yeah. with integrations and links and stuff. So I think you can you can get quite far, um, but at some point it will break. It depends a bit on the size of your organization, I think, depending yeah. on how you need to address these problems. If you're if you're a 10 people team, if you're a 25 people team, like everybody knows this strategy and you talk about these things over lunch, you talk about these things on Slack all the time. So I don't think you know, you automatically or necessarily need a tool for you to do that. We had uh, Deidre Pucknut on uh, before and she used that same idea that when you're a small team, alignment just kind of comes for free because you're all there and you know it's there. It's like, as you grow larger, you need that. Yeah, I like that. I would agree. Yeah, I actually came across Purdue because I was part of a, a large company that was implementing it and they were doing it and I was trying to use it and trying to figure it out. But I, I actually run a small team within the digital workplace. We probably have about like six people that are working on this. So I just said, man, I kind of get this, but I need something a little more simple. So I just did the spreadsheet model. So we've been using that for the last three quarters and it's fantastic right now because it's very quick. It's very easy. We've like reduced everything down to just what needs to be there. The whole team is aligned on that, but I can see like, okay, like there's a certain amount of tracking that we're having to do manually that would be nice to do something else uh, as the team grows bigger. And as we add in more projects, like this spreadsheet is going to get a little bit like too wild in this and it's going to need to come through, which, you know, comes to one of our favorite aphorisms is that, you know, every app started off as a good spreadsheet and grew from there. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, exactly. Even for lots of marketing things that you do, right? Or in sales, like your first, when you when you deal with a handful of leads every week, yeah. the spreadsheet will be good enough. You don't need tools like Salesforce or HubSpot. Um, but yeah, Purdue is also built for a, a company-wide rollout, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or um, an independent um, department or subsidiary within a large organization. Like sometimes it's a team that starts and it rolls out, but it's not the use case that we we have for our product really is that aligning the entire organization behind the higher level goals of the business and of the, the strategy of the business. So I totally get that in your case. I mean, most people that are looking to get into OKR, I think, uh, are all starting off with a, with a spreadsheet at first. And I think that's a helpful thing just to, to go into this next idea because, again, you start with a small team, there's kind of built-in alignment, but it is good to define things and it is good to get them down on paper, so to speak, in cells in a spreadsheet. But then you do, there does come a point we need to formalize it a little bit more and maybe use a, a tool that's out there to do that. But it's always a question of, okay, when does that happen? When do you notice that alignment is an issue and that people, oh, they don't understand like what we're trying to do here. People aren't quite aware of this and how that affects that. So what are some of those warning signs you would tell people, hey, when this starts to happen, you need to go back and readdress what you're using for alignment and OKRs and strategy? Yeah, alignment is one thing. I think another good thing to talk about here that maybe is is, is structure. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, I think, why why sometimes OKRs fail in, in younger organizations or smaller organizations is because they are very much driven by uh, the founders of that business or the people that, that run that business. And oftentimes 
they are not ready for that kind of structure yeah. that OKR brings. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, what, what we've noticed is that with, with smaller organizations, um, it's, it can, it can often be the leadership team that goes against implementing something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what, what, what we've, what we've heard from the market, what we've heard from, from other founders is that around 25 people, the company, the team stops feeling like one big family. Yeah. Um, and you don't know everyone anymore that's walking around your office. Um, nowadays that's different, of course, with COVID and everybody working from home, but um, somewhere around 25 to 30 people, that's a number that I've heard very often. And I think when that happens, a logical consequence of that is that you also start feeling less aligned and you don't talk to everyone anymore. So you don't get to reinforce the story of your company all the time anymore. Um, so that's not something that you notice and then say, Hey, now we are misaligned. But I think that's a moment when misalignment starts to occur in, uh, in organizations. And then I think when, yeah, when, when people are headed off in directions and you just don't understand why they've decided to pick up this project or why they decided on to start working on this thing or why they, when they start taking decisions that uh, you feel are not right and you feel we should be doing it different uh, as a business leader, mm-hmm. then I think you really start feeling the issues with misalignment because you can be, um, yeah, you can have a feeling of misunderstanding and not understanding why they are doing it that way. But probably what's really happening then at the time is that these people just don't understand the bigger picture of the organization. They don't understand where you want to go. And therefore they are not able to take decisions themselves um, um, that are aligned with the higher level goals and the strategy that you set out for the business. And another thing, which will be kind of be like uh, the flip side of that is that people would maybe leave your organization because they feel micromanaged. Because another way to solve that is not to set out the direction of the organization and communicate the bigger picture, but is to really predict on a micro level what people should be doing, how they should be doing it. And I think you described exactly where everybody wants to be, which is where you want people to take decisions for themselves based on the strategy of the company. Like people understand that strategy, they understand the OKR so well that when it comes time to it, they don't need to run the decision by you. They know what's gonna be best, they know the best project, they know the best task that's gonna help to reach that and they can make that on their own. Not that you're telling them to do it and not that they're unaware of it. So finding that, I don't know if it's a middle road or not, but finding that sweet spot seems like the key. Yeah, and you need to give them the tools and, and the information so that they can actually do that themselves. And Well, good. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about your company. You're in the middle of all this too. Like you're building software for companies to do it, but you're also in the middle of building a company as well. That's through. So tell us about Purdue, uh, how many employees do you have and, and what are some ways that you're experiencing this kind of growth? Uh, we're 20 people. Uh, we, we completely bootstrapped. Uh, Purdue. So we only, uh, we raised a small amount of money. Um, and uh, with that, we've come really far. We were never really focused on growth. So growth for us was always kind of like a byproduct. We were ex- extremely product focused, extremely um, customer focused. Uh, and the reason is that uh, we just wanted to be sure that we were solving a real problem, that, we're, that we were building something that we believe would mm-hmm. still be around 10 or 20 years into the future. Um, and when we started off, OKR was still very much early days. Uh, and we we had competitors, of course, but they all drifted off in the HR and people management space. So they started combining OKR with people management features like performance reviews and, and, and surveys and so on. And I think successful companies have been built in that segment. So um, 
yeah, I mean, congrats to them. And I think that's there's definitely uh, it's definitely a market segment, and it has a reason that it exists. It's just not something that we were um, excited about. So we spent a lot of time debating, like, what is an OKR? What are um, what what role do goals play within an organization? And for us, goals were really about bridging a desired future with today's reality. Uh, and goals were about the business uh, and not so much intended to prescribe what people should be working on. So we didn't take the employee as a starting point and then ask like, hey, what, what are the goals that he or she should be working on? But we took the organization as a starting point and then said, okay, we have this organization. Where do we want to go with this business? And then who are the people that we need in order to, to get there? So it's kind of like a, a different approach. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, we were not... I mean, we, we loved OKRs. We still love OKRs, but for us, it was about a lot more than OKRs. So we just wanted to build out the product uh, and get to a level where we said, okay, this is something we feel very confident about. And this is the, the product that we want to build and the problem that we want to solve. Yeah. Um, so now we're getting more and more into a direction where we say, okay, growth will now become more important for us. And, and going forward, we do want to we want to grow faster. So we've had a lot of fun. Um be a bit um, well. We spend a lot of time with with our customers. Spend a lot of time with our product. We we pioneered adding initiatives into the mix, which are all the projects and tasks that people are working on to achieve OKR. We've pioneered adding KPIs into the mix. Now we're pioneering strategic pillars, um, and that's what we've been focusing on most. And while we were doing that, we've I mean we've always written a lot of content, shared our knowledge with the outside world, and that helped us build up a lot of traction for free. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we never spend any money on advertising and still today i think yeah we spend like three thousand euros a month on uh, on ads and all of the rest of the traffic is purely organic so and this brings up a topic that i wanted to, to run by you we often talk about like what's your technological core of your digital workplace so as the headquarters of a company shifts from a physical location it shifts to some kind of digital tool and for the most part i feel like uh, companies choose between one of two things. They choose between either a collaboration tool, like a Slack, Microsoft Teams, something that's there, that becomes a headquarters, or they do like some kind of work management. Take like a, an Asana or a, a Monday or, or a Basecamp or one of these tools that's out there that like is there. But even in, in the terms of the OKR, like the collaboration tool as a center just seems like a little bit of chaos. Like if that's the first thing you do is to connect in and see what everyone's talking about, it's just kind of chatter. It's, it's all talk about work. If you go for one of these work management tools, then you're making initiatives in your terminology as kind of the centerpiece of it. And I've always imagined like what it would be like for, I don't know any companies that do this, but like what would it be like for a company to really put an OKR, a strategy execution tool at the heart of their digital workplace as their headquarters and everything else like feeds into that, all data gets pushed into that tool so that right from the first thing, it's not, you don't see it as your Slack a loading page, but it is the it is the loading page for the whole company, and Slack yeah. becomes a, an extra feature. So, what, what's your thought about that? The difficulty here is um, whether you're talking about the core within a team or whether you talk about the core within within a company. Um, so, I think within tools, we are, we I mean we've added initiatives in, into uh, into Purdue, but uh, we're building integrations. We've recently yeah. built an integration with Jira, and we'll start building more and more integrations for these initiatives. Uh, because we never had the intention to replace tools like Jira or tools like Asana. Um, and I think within a team, uh, a tool like Asana is great because you do want to have all that detail. You do want to have uh, insight into like, within a project or what are the tasks are we working on, et cetera. Um, but outside of that team, that automatically becomes a lot less relevant. Mm -hmm. And uh, outside of that team, you're more interested like, hey, 
what are the goals that marketing is working on? How are these goals yeah. performing? And then we're talking about KPIs and OKR. So on a company level, on a cross-functional level, I don't think a tool like Asana would help because it's simply too much noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I think, yeah, there it would help a lot uh, to, to focus on a, on a higher level, of course. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's really hard, right? Because uh, tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams, um, that's just where, where all the discussions happen, right? That's where, uh, that's the first place that I go to, to ask people questions and to understand what's going on, where I ask people for updates. So, yeah, I think it's, it's hard to get around that, right? And I think yeah. that's where integrations are just really, really important so that um, you get to choose where you want to get your information from. Yeah, my thought would always be, okay, what is integrating with what? And where do the integrations start? If the integrations from Slack, like Slack is headquarters and everything else, like you can feed from that. Or is a tool like Purdue headquarters and, and you feed off of that and you integrate some other tools and say, okay, this is where I'm going to start. Okay, now I'm going to click this link that goes to my project board in Asana where I can manage this project and everyone knows there. But we come back to the OKRs because usually, and even with most goal management beyond Purdue and beyond OKR, it's usually like, okay, goal setting is something we do in December. We write it down, yeah. we put it in a document, we file it, and we come back to it next December. Like it's never like front and center with what we're doing. So trying to just find a way to to change the dialogue around that and to say, okay, the craziness of your work and the collaboration and the project you're doing, it has to happen on some level. But I always remember what we're coming back to, like centering that that idea. Yeah. Well, I mean that that other thing that you mentioned about setting goals and never looking at them. I think that that was a big reason for uh, some providers to merge goal setting with performance reviews, right? Because yeah. then that will be a tool um, to make sure that you regularly look at them and that people care about them. But then again, a performance review is always looking backward. Mm. And if you want to make sure that people achieve their goals, you need to make sure that they stay top of mind and yeah. that people regularly check in with them. So for that, I think uh, integrations with Slack are great, right? We have a bot that reaches out to people, reminds them to, to submit their check-in. Uh, for Microsoft Teams, we've built an app so that you can pretty much get everything. You don't need to log into Purdue anymore. Everything is completely available uh, within your Microsoft Teams environment. Don't you think that people have their own preference that some people prefer to go there, other people prefer to go there, and that is also dependent on what level in the organization that you're on? Yeah, I do. I I do also feel like most people have either naturally have it or have been trained to have a bias towards quick synchronous communication. whether that was what we learned from email back in the day or whether that's what we're learning from Slack and we feel like, yeah. okay, that that's there. And I sometimes just want to push back on that and say, okay, I understand that that's where we're going to go to because it feels like the most real time and the most live thing. But is that the healthiest thing for your work environment, for everyone to be first thing in the day, check your Slack messages. First thing in your day, check your email messages. Like, is that where we should be? I, I get that a lot of people want it to be and have conditioned themselves to be and maybe like it. But yeah, just asking a question like, is is that helping everyone? Yeah, it requires a lot of discipline to be to use tools like email and, and Slack well. Yeah. <laughs> to not let it disrupt your day entirely. Well, cool. Uh, Heinrich, let me just close with this question. Uh, what's one challenge that you guys are facing as a 20-member team in becoming a digital workplace, becoming a high-level, high-functioning digital workplace? What do you feel like is one thing that you haven't quite figured out yet? Um, it's, it's, it's the meetings and the, yeah. the, the, the frequency of the meetings. So, um, 
we've been working remote now for so long that I find it hard to to, to remember accurately <laughs> how it was when we were in the office. Because I know that an office can also be like a disruptive workplace. Yeah, but uh, you need to. If, for as long as we continue to work remote, it's it's you want to make sure that people stay engaged. You want to make sure that you do fun stuff together. At the same time, you want to make sure that people have enough uh, private time and spend time with their friends and family as well. Um, you want to keep people up to date on the on the on the company. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's very tempting or very quickly you have way too many meetings, so you're disrupting people too much. So uh, I think we find it quite hard to find to find the right balance. How many fun events should we organize? How many uh, all hands should we be organizing with the team? That is something that that we're struggling with. And especially with the, with a growing team, another level of complexity there is, um, is the granularity and the details that you put into this meeting. Because yeah. with a 10 people team, I think most of the, men, uh, the uh, information that you share in these meetings is relevant for everyone. But as a teams grow, uh, as teams grow, then you need to start focusing on a higher level to make sure that it continues to be relevant for everyone and also to make sure that the meetings don't bend for several hours. Yeah, scaling meetings as you grow, I think that that's, that's a great issue to solve is to figure out that. And even for someone like you who, I mean, 20 people, I'm assuming you you know everyone. I do, yeah. <laughs> you, you probably have meetings with everyone, but once you hit 50, like if you have meetings with everybody, like that's most of your week and most of uh, that's pretty well gone. So how do you pass off those responsibilities, get people to continue to meet together, but not too much that it distracts them. Yeah, huge challenge for sure. Yeah. Good, well, we'll continue to check in with you and see how you're doing with that. Uh, we love your product. I think it's, it's gonna be a, a great asset for people. If you're not using that or something else, find something to help you with your strategy and think about its position within your digital workplace would be my recommendation. Heinrich, thanks so much for being on the show. I love this conversation. I hope we can take it forward in the future. Thank you, thank you for having me. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you found it. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.